Hello everyone, this is Nolan with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to say thanks to all of our awesome patrons. If you like our show and want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Forge Herald. Thanks everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, we got some stuff to talk about this week, especially with D&D Live. But before we do that, how are you doing? We're hanging in there. Been enjoying my rampant playthrough uh, Middle Earth. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's nice to have some news, uh, some new product coming out, uh, some things to get excited for. I already started thinking about creating new characters, and that's always a fun time. Well, let's face it, you think about creating new characters all the time. You actually have, like, I think a book that's just full of potential characters for you to play. Yep. If I ever DM a world, I feel sorry for the bad guys you fight, because it's just going to be characters I never got to play. (laughs) So it's your book of potential NPCs or PCs, just depending on what your role is. Yep. Well, we'll just uh, flip that faction, and hey, look it, he's now an evil paladin. Sweet. (laughs) <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> um let's see so like i said we do have some news to talk about especially with D live um before we jump into D live though we have a couple things we just wanted to talk quickly about uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff coming out on anywhere uh, i do know that the legend lore uh, kickstarter has funded which i think we knew that last week before onyx path Ca- uh, onyx pathcon started so that's cool if you're interested in Legend Lore, you can check that out. Our friends Zach and David, their Kickstarter for the Player's Guide uh, to Orinth has funded as well. So congratulations to those guys. I know they have more projects coming, and you can check that out uh, on last week's episode. Onyx Path did release for the Trinity Continuum uh, Swine and Cheese Party, uh, which is uh, it says the excerpts from the complete Duke Rolo, as well as... Uh, Trinity Continuum Quantum Entanglement. So there's a couple new products if you're into the Trinity Continuum that are available on DriveThruRPG. Looking through the update of the projects, it doesn't look like anything major has changed. It does continue to show that they came from Beneath the Sea is at press, as with as well as the uh, they came from Beneath the Sea Heroic Land Dwellers um, supplement is available. Uh, or sorry, they are prepping the POD files for that. So not a whole lot of changes there. A lot of the same stuff that we had seen. I guess I should mention the Scarredlands Creature Collection. Uh, the print-on-demand files were uploaded, as well as the tra- traditional files were sent to printer. I don't know that I mentioned that last week. Um, over at Modiphius, I didn't see any no new Conan expa- or stuff, so that was kind of interesting. Um, something about, I know Modiphius said that Astral, which is the virtual tabletop program that DriveThruRPG uses or has built, sorry, for Star Trek Adventure Signals is now on Astral. So if you play Star Trek Adventures and that's something that, you, that you're that you interested in, you should check that out on Astral. Let's go to video games. We talked a little bit about video games last week, and there's a video game that both of us are pretty excited about, and that being Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077. It was announced this week that this video game is once again delayed. Nolan, have you heard anything about this? Just a little bit. They, uh, again, I 
think, and given the track record of uh, you know what they've done with uh, the Witcher series, if they feel like it's not ready, uh, I would rather them go this way. And I think we've had these conversations in the past. Like, um, I'm not a huge EA uh, fan of what they've done to some of the genres and their money grab. Like, you know that they would just pump out the game, uh, charge you full price for it, and then in like a month after all the bugs were played through by the players, uh, put a DLC out for 10 bucks and and charge you to fix the game. Whereas I feel like you know, we people still play Witcher 3, people still talk about it as being one of the best RPGs of all time. Uh, people, you know, and we're on seven or eight years. So if these guys decide they want an extra month to make it right and make it polished, I don't care if it's another six months. I want it... I, I think that expectation is so high that they have to do it right right out of the gate. Right. I completely agree. And, and according to uh, the developer, which is Project Red, uh, the original release was planned. Well, I shouldn't say the original release. The last release was planned for September 17th. And this it is now moved to November 19th. Uh, and, and what they're saying is, is that the game is technically finished. From content and gameplay perspective, with all the quests, cutscenes, skills, items, and functionality, and they're all in place. But the finished game is so complex and so large that Project Red is saying that it needs the extra time to go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix bugs. Now, I know from playing games that have come out that were incredibly buggy, you know, Nolan, that games that come out that are incredibly buggy can make it so where you don't want to play this game. And and I personally don't understand why people get so upset because the developer has pushed back a date. Does this? It's, I mean, does it bother it's you? It's really awkward. I I don't. Again, uh, I feel like we're in a world of uh, doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, you're probably wrong type thing. You can't win. Um, people want your game, and that's great. And you don't want to be insulting to the people that are excited for it, have put money down, you know, are looking forward to it. Um, you know. Shoot, I'm a type of person like, well, WoW expansion comes out. I'll take you know three days off of work so I can just deep dive into it and not be bothered. Um, but at the same token, if that video game doesn't make it through that, you know, you get fifty thousand people watching Twitch streams of a buggy game. Um, you're you're not going to have sales. It's just not going to happen. So it's it's a I don't know if you if you push it out and make people mad, then you lose interest or, you know, if you don't do that, you can have people lose interest. If you pump it out and the game is just terrible, uh, you get you never come back. Um, Elder Scrolls Online, when that game first came out, it was it was potential was there, but it was a train wreck. Um, Final Fantasy, uh, A Realm Reborn, the original one was a train wreck. And it never, I mean, it was so bad that they brought it down and re-released it. And that's why it's Final Fantasy, A Realm Reborn. Um, Learn from their mistakes. And we're fortunate enough to come back and and now at this point in time are, are, you know, it's kind of the go-to alternate for World of Warcraft, whereas Elder Scrolls is, you know, maybe third, where if it would have been the game that it is today, uh, right out of the gate, it it would probably be rivaling for first as well. So it's it's tough. You darned if you do, darned if you don't type situation. Because again, you know, I you we've talked about it with Kickstarters. We've talked about it with the longer you know about something, you know, that hype level. How early do you let people know about it? You know, I've got all these books on Kickstarter, but I'm not going to see them for another year. By the time the year gets around, like, oh yeah, I forgot I bought that. Or so finding the, finding the balance of where people are hungry and uh, clamoring for it and haven't forgotten about you, but still putting out a good product is mind blowingly difficult. And I don't envy that challenge. 
I, I get I feel like sometimes fans feel entitled to those games. Oh, you told us it was going to come out on this date. You need to be delivering to us on this date. And people don't understand that in any project that you do, there can there are hiccups. Things happen. And I would rather them take the time because I mean I don't I don't play World of Warcraft anymore. I, in fact, I play very few video games anymore. But this is one video game that I'm very excited about because I happen to love cyberpunk. And I thought the trailer that that was that was released at what was it E3 uh, looked amazing. And it was just the trailer. So if the gameplay is going to be as good as the trailer, take the time you need because I'd rather this game be great right out of the gate than have to say, oh, sorry, we fucked that up. Let us fix it. And me pay $60, 70 $80 for a video game that I can't play because it's just trash. So pump the brakes, take the time. I'm all for them doing what they need to do to get this game out. I, and it just irritates me when people get that feeling of entitlement of, no, you told us it was going to be on this day. You need to give it to us on this day. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I get it. Uh, uh, at least people are excited for your game. But... I don't know. I it's a form of art, and if it's not ready, then don't put it out. Don't show it half painted. Exactly. I agree, completely. So that is basically all the news that we have for this week. Mostly because Nolan and I wanted to spend some time talking about D and D Live and some of the projects, or not projects, some of the um, products that are going to be released from D and D Live. Now, unfortunately. <clears throat> For both of us, life got in the way, and we weren't able to spend as much time as we wanted to really diving into D&D Live. Did you able, were you able to do a whole lot of watching last night, Nolan? Uh, I did not. I've gotten a chance to catch up on some of the clips and highlights a little bit. Um, I think the uh, the Marvel superhero one uh, really, uh, I think it caught a lot of people off guard as how good it was. Uh, Chris Perkins ran a fantastic game. Um, the the characters, uh, the actors, whatever the players, um, that was a lot of it. Was it was fun? It was fun seeing a um, Karen Gillan had never played before, and just watching yeah. watching that uh, that reaction to it. Like you know, it's something about seeing somebody for the first time enjoy something that you love, and having that same reaction of like, that's exactly how I feel. Like I'm happy somebody else gets it. It was really cool to see. Right. I caught the very tail end of that part in of that live play and, and her reaction. I, I was so blown away by it because she's like, I'd never heard of this. All right. I never knew anything about this game before. I've never played it. And she goes, this game is an actor's dream. You get to play a part. You get to improvise everything and just get to immerse yourself in this. And And it's funny because Nolan and I talk often about how, you know, Critical Role has these stage actor or these uh, voice actors who if you just close your eyes and listen to critical role and let them do their thing it's amazing to listen to because they're so good at it and i and as someone who does do theater this is one of the reasons why i love role playing games is because i get to play this part and really lose myself in this part and i think it was so neat to hear this professional actress who is fantastic say these things about these games that we love yeah i agree it was it was cool. It was fun. Um, the announcements were good. The the people involved were good, uh, considering they couldn't get together on stage like they've done in years past and stuff. So uh, I felt like it was well done. I like these virtual cons that we're seeing. Uh, Onyx Path did it last week. Uh, theirs wasn't. I don't. I mean, they didn't take as long as D and D Live did to get it all together. So 
but they did an f- amazing job with their panels, with their their live plays. I can't wait to see if they do it next year because I mean now they'll have all the time to plan it out. D and D and Wizards of the Coast typically puts together really good events. Uh, having gone to several Grand Prix for Magic, I know what their live events are like. And and seeing them take that transition to virtual, I mean, they've done this virtually before, so they knew how the platform would work. And I know there was some hiccups. You mentioned the superhero game with Brandon Routh. Um, his camera went dead for a little while. <laughs> you just had this two images of Karen Gilliland <laughs> in the gameplay, and one was frozen while Karen was moving. Uh, so it was uh, maybe Brandon was a doppelganger. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, there were some technical issues. And I saw some people in chat com- complaining about those types of things. But, you know, it, it, with this current pandemic, what what else do we do? These are great ways for these companies to continue to put these things out there for the fans, because really that's what it's for. They could have just made the project, the, the product announcements and moved on. But no, they took care of their fans. I think it's funny to think about Twitch and how it was just prepping us for the future. I mean, some of that stuff is, <laughs> it's like, well, I would have never yeah. would be what we were doing, you know, before as all those things, a way of interacting and seeing stuff without actually having to go. And now all of a sudden that's become our cons and stuff. It's, it's not quite the same, but it's still nice to get something. I know I personally plan on trying to, cause San Diego comic-con is going online. If I remember correctly, it's free. I plan on trying to check that out. Um, Blizzard has always done the virtual ticket, so I don't know if uh, maybe they're just going to move that free for BlizzCon this year. I have no clue. I haven't heard anything. Uh, so there's, I like these ideas, these virtual cons. It's a great way for us still to come together and check things out and for these companies to still show us what they have coming up. But speaking of what they have coming up, let's dive into some of the stuff that they talked about because there's one product in particular that really kind of hit both of us in our nostalgia, and that is the new adventure, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden. And I think what hit both of us is we're both friends of the Dred Stewarden books, and of course, they start in Icewind Dale with the Ice with the um, Icewind Dale trilogy, or the Spin- ah, whatever, you know what I mean, the Crystal Shard, <laughs> which takes place up in the Spine of the World, Icewind Dale. So this one, I got excited about just by the title. What did you think, Nolan? Same boat. Um, I was a. Uh, I liked the. Uh, I like the Baldur's Gate Shadows of Om series. I know there was an Icewind Dale series there that came out as well. That was really cool, uh, and I got to play a little bit of it. But it's been a long time and forgot how much I enjoyed it. Um, the Tin Towns is kind of like you said. It's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the first Forgotten Realms books I I ever read, and I'm trying to remember if it was an Elminster or a Dritz book. I think it was a Dritz book. I think it started with, you know, Wolfgar, you know, so it's kind of a, not necessarily a homecoming, but kind of of what it is, you know, they don't, their adventures take them far and wide and they don't hang out there a lot. But for my first, you know, first adventure into the Forgotten Realms being this place, uh, looking forward to playing it. It's going to be interesting to see their description of it is really solid. Um, not able to give away too much, um, because of the direction they're going and how fitting the actual story is going to be with the stuff we're doing now. So, so I, I seem to remember, and, and I, my timeline could be off here because, well, I'm old, as you like to remind me. Um, the Crystal Shard, if I remember correctly, was published in 1988. Uh, it is the true first book that Ari Salvatore wrote about this character, Dred Stewarden, and his friends. Um, I remember it had to have been either... <sighs> 
89, 90, somewhere around there. When my dad came home from work, he worked at a, a local gym on Fort Wayne in Alaska, and he had this book. And, and I've always been into fantasy. I, you know, I'd been reading Terry Brooks for years at this point. Uh, I'd read you know, The Lord of the Rings. So this would have been probably eighth grade, freshman year, somewhere around there. My dad comes home with this book, and he's like, hey, you need to read this. And I read it, and that was, for me, I'm pretty sure that was the first Forgotten Realms book I had ever read. And, of course, at that time, the whole series was out. I think the Halfling Gem was not out yet. I know they came out with those before. I mean, I was fortunate enough to pick up my first book uh, and have, I think, like 10 to read. You know, I was so far behind right out of the gate. Um, it's really fun, you know, and again, going off in the deep end there of, the the series didn't originally start to be about Dritzt. It was about Wolfgar. Right. And that's why the Ten Towns was so, you know, and the Barbarians in the North, like you really did get a good description of it because I think that was set up to be, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the story of this, uh, you know, this barbarian boy raised by a dwarf who's got an uh, uncle who's a, a drow weapon master, you know, and it's like, this is him. This is his life and his journey to become leader of... Uh, his people and, and take back and create a different world for, you know, the barbarians. So they did a really good job of describing the area and the coldness and, and dealing with the stuff that they did up there to have it be, wow, everybody really likes this other character. I guess we're going a different direction. And see, I know that for me, I finished up that first trilogy and had to wait for the dark elf trilogy to come out. Uh, and again, I'm like 10 years older than Nolan. So it's no surprise that I was a, waiting for the book to come out uh, <laughs> that's funny but, though because i think i picked up uh kind of the same boat you know i know i was late to the party with it uh uh as far as reading it but i th <laughs> i think i started reading terry brooks before i started reading salvatore as well even late to the party because i was reading the shannara series like 20 some odd books of that damn thing before i ran out of stuff to read going back and forth to oregon when i was 18 so that's hilarious that my reading order is about the same as yours that that is funny. I remember I was in seventh grade when I was reading Sword of Shannara, and we still had to do book reports then. And my teacher, my English teacher, I told her this was the book I wanted to read. Of course, the Sword of Shannara is a massive tome, and she looked at me and she's like, "You're not reading that book." And I'm like, "Yes, I am." And she says, "No, no, that book is too complicated for you." And I ended up having to get my parents involved, and they convinced her to let me read the book and write my report on it after i finished that report she's like yeah you can pretty much read whatever you want so i and I, and of course i fell in love with fantasy with terry brooks and and i know there's this whole terry brooks ripped off tolkien whatever i enjoyed the books um same they got a yeah. little it was uh i don't know same type period it's funny how well anyway we could get on a tangent on it i i remember <laughs> doing my uh I, I tore my acl my senior year of football so I had about a month of where I was in cast surgery, not be able to do anything. And my friend Daniel is like, okay, this movie's coming out called the Lord of the Rings. You've got to read the books before the movie comes out, just so you have a reference. And it's like, all right, fine. So I read them and I remember going through like, well, I, you know, I read the Hobbit and I read the three books. Uh, well, shoot, I was ready to go for book reports for the whole year. So I told my teacher that and he's like, well, we're doing classics this year. And I'm like, you can't tell me this isn't a classic right. because it's not a classic. And I'm like, okay, so we had to fight. We had to argue. And eventually, you know, it ended up going to a debate in class where I had to prove to the teacher that I felt like it was a classic and why. And got, I just, you know, there's one of those things of like, well, damn it, I already read these books. I'm not going to pick four more classics to read this year. Like I was being lazy, but it, it just brought me into 
that much more of the love because I had to defend it. And next thing you know, it, you know, if you had that conversation today, they'd be like, oh yeah, why not? You know, that's how far we've come in <laughs> just a little span of acceptable, uh, nerdism. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about Icewind Dale, Rhyme and the Frostmaiden. Now, I'm going to read this from the D&D website. It says, uh, some secrets are worth dying for. Feel the cold touch of death in this adventure for the world's greatest role-playing game. In Icewind Dale, adventure is a dish best served cold. Beneath the unyielding night sky, you stand before a towering glacier and recite an ancient rhyme, causing a crack to form in the great wall of ice. Beyond this yawning fissure, the caves of hunger await. A path and past this icy dungeon is a secret so old and terrifying that few dare speak of it. The mad wizards of the Arcane Brotherhood long to possess that which the God of Winter's wrath has so coldly preserved, as do you. What fantastic secrets and treasures are entombed in the sunless heart of the glacier, and what will their discovery mean for the denizens of Icewind Dale? Can you save ten towns from the Frostmaiden's everlasting night? Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden, is a tale of dark terror that revisits the forlorn, flickering candlelights of the civilization known as Ten Towns and sheds light on the many bone-chilling locations that surround these frontier settlements. So that's what was posted on the D&D website. And of course, there's a video that you can watch as well. Uh, I do think it's interesting that they are saying that this is a horror supplement. And you were kind of telling me about that. So why don't you go into a little bit more detail about some of those themes that they're talking about? Well, I think, uh, so Chris Perkins had done a, a video on it uh, and talking about, I guess, you know, this wasn't necessarily their plan two years ago when they started it of dealing with uh, isolation and paranoia and that kind of stuff, which uh, unfortunately is what he said is kind of what we're going through right now, you know, with this pandemic and isolation and such. So uh, their goal of this one here was to be a little more of a creepy horror story. And so some of the features that we are getting with this is uh, a a very large book in comparison to what what is normally out there. I think the last uh, Descent in Avernus they were saying was like 260. This one's about 320. Uh, there's a, a bestiary section that is quite large. Uh, Chris Perkins was saying that because of what they've had to they've had to create a bunch of monsters for the North. There wasn't a lot of cold based monsters in the Monster Manual allowing them kind of basically free reign to create some monsters, uh, adapt some monsters, and maybe have some new things show up that nobody's expecting. And he was talking about, without giving away stuff, that that was some of his excitement as well, is as we continue to go through the games, it's really hard to throw things at your players to surprise them, like a gelatinous cube. We all know what it is, whether we role play that we don't know what it does, or a red dragon shows up and we role play that we've never seen one before. There isn't a lot of fear and like, oh, you know, the instant dread of like, oh, crap, okay, this is Angus, what's going to happen is there. So having new monsters uh, that nobody's seen before hopefully will cause some of that fear of unknown. Um, but yeah, they really didn't go into a lot of detail about the actual bad guy, you know, with Tomb of Annihilation. We knew a Sarerak was doing this thing. Here, there's a lot of mystery. We know that the uh, Frost Maiden is the goddess of winter and what she has to do with it or if she's involved or what's there we don't know so that the suspense will be there sounds like there's some secrets sounds like there's some paranoia um and remembering some of the evil you know the the cover art of it looked a lot uh 
it reminded a lot of people of the old Crystal Shard uh, book slash uh, they did a, a campaign about it. And knowing the evil that has come out of the spine of the world or stuff that's been, again, secrets that are worth, you know, dying for to keep, they, uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting. It sounds like there's some big magical items that are uh, campaign altering that if you get a hold of can corrupt and, and, and change the landscape. Uh, having this kind of race against other maybe another faction trying to get this power or keep it out of their hands i don't gosh it it, it sounds really cool i feel like they did a nice job of not spoiling too much to keep the hype level up there um and i think i don't know I wish it was a little bit longer campaign, but maybe we'll get something else. Uh, this one through twelve thing is kind of seems to be where they're going to be forever, and I just don't know if they've got the game not balanced the way they wanted it and the high end, or if they don't have a fix for that or what. But I would like to play in a longer campaign at some point instead of starting over one through twelve. But I also understand the power level of the realm, and again, very rarely do you see level eighteen heroes that can't. A 20th level wizard changes reality. I mean, we're talking Superman levels of power. And so the fact that they are few and far between is probably, um, it's it's probably realistic because of the the power level of it. You know, if if you're dealing with avatars of TM at a level 15, you got to go out pretty far to get more experience. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you're talking about planar travel and all kinds of shenanigans to even try and, get to that realm of uh, fighting stuff that's difficult. So another 1 through 12 campaign. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be good. I, I have hopes that it's going to be a lot of fun. I like this horror feel side of it. I think that'll be fun, especially after playing some vampire stuff, which will be hilarious if our vampire game is more comical than our D&D game eventually. So I'm sure it will be. Because, <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm convinced that we could play this any sort of hardcore horror game with our group, and you guys would still find a way to throw comedy into it. Because I think that's just how this our group in particular deals with horror. They just, okay, oh yeah, this is a really bad situation. Things are pretty tense. I'm going to crack a joke real quick. Well, and I think yeah, some of that stuff is tough too, because it's like, well... Uh, there's a difference between like a, a human in a horror situation is a lot different feel than a vampire of like, I live the horror situation. You know what I mean? Like, so I, it's kind right. of one of those things sure. that like, I, I, I always get that thing of like, you know, oh, there's blood everywhere. And like, I eat blood for, you know, a daily basis. It doesn't phase me at this point. Like, it's not a big <laughs> oh, deal. Whereas like the human investigator walks in and this place is, you know, a Dexter paradise and it's like, what the hell happened? You know, it has a different severity if you're not the monster already. So sure, that's a good point. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, they have a couple cool products with it. They got some cool dice. They got, uh, it looks like it's coming out on everything. Uh, saw Beatles and Grimm, saw roll 20, saw a beautiful alternate, uh, uh, cover art, which is fantastic. Um, D&D Beyond has some stuff there. You get some dice and some character portraits. So it looks like it's coming out to everything. Everybody's ready to put stuff out. Uh, we'll just have to figure out how we're going to play it. Exactly. So it is, like Nolan said, there is an alternate cover for this. And and it, this book looks fantastic. And it's, of course, based on the Frost Maiden, And it really does look good. Uh, it is available for pre-order currently. Uh, you can buy it at... Um, 
should be able to go to your local game store and get it as well as Barnes and Nobles, online retailers like Amazon. You can, like Nolan said, pre-order it on D&D Beyond. Uh, when you pre-order on D&D Beyond, you do get this glacial dice set, glacial colored dice set. So that is something that is kind of a bonus. It's a little cheaper to buy on D&D Beyond, I might add, too. It's also on Fantasy Grounds as well as if you're someone who plays virtually. Um, I mentioned Fantasy Grounds. It is on Roll20. Now, we have used some of the Roll20 stuff with Adventure League, and it integrates really nicely. You get tokens for the monsters. You get little cards for the monsters. You get maps. Uh, typically, they're in color. So keep that in mind if, if you are playing digitally. It, this is difficult for me right now because... I am so intrigued by Icewind Dale because of the nostalgia, and I know it's not going to be the story of of Wolfgar or Dritz and, and their whole group. I know it's going to be something different. It's the the area that's hitting me. Um, I I want the hard copy book and I want the alternate art book, but because we've been playing so much on Roll Twenty, I kind of feel like I should be purchasing it through Roll Twenty instead, which is this horrible juxtaposition for me of wanting the book but trying to be um <laughs> frugal if you will because i don't want to pay a hundred dollars for two books right and then you know i like it on same boat i like it on D beyond but it's a really pretty cover so i guess it's a nice thing i mean we've looked at we've looked at covers before and been like yeah i don't need that one in my life yeah yeah although the, you know the eberron one looked really good and i didn't touch it which which is unfortunate but that's okay um wait does... till it goes on sale yeah exactly uh, so Nolan did mention there is some other products that are coming with it. So there is all these ancillary products that come with it. There is the dice set, which I'm going to go into in detail in just a second. Of course, there's going to be icons of the realms from WizKids, the miniatures. Uh, Beatles and Grimm's does have the Platinum Edition. And there's also a comic book coming out called At the Spine of the World by IDW Publishing. So if that's another way to get your D&D fix if if you don't have a group and you're and you are a comic book fan. I want to talk a little bit about the dice set. Uh this is uh, they call it's the 11 piece dice set. So it has or I'm sorry, 11 dice dice set. So it has 2d20s, which that has become pretty standard anymore. It has 1d12, 2d10s, 1d8, 4d6s, which I mean for the longest time there were only 3 and 1d4. It also comes with a fold-out, or they call it a player-friendly fold-out map of Icewind Dale and the Ten Towns. This measures 10.5 by 15 and 3 quarters inch. It's in a durable felt-lined box that functions as your dice tray, and 20 double-sided cards with, with descriptions and illustrations of characters and creatures that one might encounter in Icewind Dale. Now, I see, looking at this, I can see there's a snowy owlbear. I just want to take a minute and, and mention that uh, there is a role player on um, the Fae Forge Academy. Kai Stonefly is how I know her on uh, Twitter. She's actually from Wyoming. She's also a miniature painter, a very talented miniature painter. And she painted one of these, and I thought I saw on her Twitter feed that it was featured on D&D Live. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, way cool. Yeah, she got to paint one of them for the event. So I thought that was kind of neat, especially having that Wyoming tie. So this set will uh, clock in at $29.99. It will be available our September 15th. That coincides with the release of the book, which will also be available September 15th. Uh, and, of course, that'll be in-game stores. Uh, do remember, the you can only get the alternate art cover, at least originally, that's how they've always done it, in-game stores. 
you typically cannot go to like uh, Amazon or other digital retailers and buy the alternate art cover. And you cannot get the alternate art cover digitally either because it has that soft touch finish. It's very, very much a tactile product that if you want it, you're going to have to buy the actual product. So I'm excited about this product. I haven't been excited about a whole lot of D&D products in a while. Um, obviously, jeez, uh, uh, the Wayfarer's Guide. Wow, I'm no, I'm see, I've got this all screwed up. Hey, whatever, moving on. I can't think. <laughs> it's too damn early. So the next product I wanted to talk about is the uh, Heroes Feast book. Uh, this is kind of interesting in that it is a cookbook. Have you seen it? I don't think this is the first. Of, I think this is the first official cookbook for D&D. Have you seen any others, Nolan? I don't think so, but I'm sure, you know, as far as an official product, I don't know. But I think it's the first. Yeah, so I'll just read this real quick. Uh, it says 80 recipes inspired by the magical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Perfect for a solo quest or for a feast shared with fellow adventurers. From the D&D experts behind Dungeons & Dragons, Art & Arcana comes a cookbook that invites fantasy lovers to learn about their favorite fictional cultures through the unique cuisines and lifestyles. With this book, you can prepare dishes delicate enough to dine like elves and their drow cousins, or hearty enough to feast like a dwarven clan or a boisterous orcish horde. All 80 dishes, developed by a professional chef from one of the country's top test kitchens, are delicious, easy to prepare, and composed of wholesome ingredients readily found in our world. Hero's Feast includes recipes for snacking, such as bitopian shepherd's bread, iron rations, savory hand pies, and hogs and bedrolls, as well as a hearty vegetarian, meaty, and fish mains, such as amphel braised beef, omelet golden brown roasted turkey, drow mushroom steaks, moonshade seafood risotto. There are also featured desserts and cocktails, like Heartland's Rose Apple and Blackberry Pie, Yawning Portal Biscuit, and Cholton Zombie. And everything in Cholton Zombie, what the hell? And everything in between to satisfy a craving for any adventure. So this book will be available October 27th. It'll come in hardback or ebook format and will carry with it a price tag of $35. What are your thoughts on this one? Probably not something I'm going to get. Uh, I think it's a neat book. I like anything. Uh, so I was told a story one time <laughs> that uh, in California, in different areas, that they have uh, you have a bug out bag. It's just one of the things that you're supposed to have. And you know things happen, earthquakes, whatever, and you have some days without food, water, whatever. You have a bug out bag, keeps you safe. They were having trouble with people taking it serious the the people who make it whether it's the cdc or whoever it is rebranded them as zombie survival bags and people picked them up like crazy and had them as a novelty thing so the, the long way around it is i'm all for people learning how to cook i think it is a great uh it's a great hobby that i have i love it I, it's something I enjoy, take passion in. There's nothing quite like, you know, cooking food and having people enjoy it. Uh, you know, there's, that's a, a nice way of being able to give back a, a piece of yourself, uh, to people. And so for me, anybody learning how to cook, I think it's not necessarily a lost art, but I think we take for granted, you and I've had these conversations of so easy to go. I, I'm just as guilty. I'll go grab 10 bean burritos for 10 bucks and, and call it a dinner versus sitting down and making a meal and practice and talent and saving money and that kind of stuff there. So 
any way to get people more interested in the kitchen or in some not necessarily healthy alternatives, but I mean, it probably could be considered that of creating your own food, making your own food, having people over, being social. Like I think there's a lot of stuff that having, you know, having an elven dinner party might be something that you would do. Whereas having your friends over and cooking for a barbecue might be too much, you know, weird social interaction for yourself. So uh, I, I'm all for the idea of getting people to try new things. And if this is a way that inspires you to discover a passion for cooking, then, you know, I think it's a perfect product. And I think there's more, you know, I'm not a runner, but I would never run in a marathon. You tell me that there's a, a zombie horror where I get chased by zombies. I That's about the only reason I'm going to run. I might go do that, you know, so. So I was looking at this book, and, and I kind of had some of the same thoughts that you just expressed. Um, I'm not sure that this is necessarily a book initially, and I'm going to say initially, uh, that I was interested in. But the more I'm thinking about it, and the more I look at, like, I'm looking at a recipe for a drink, and I'm going to go over this in just a second. Um, I think it'd be really kind of neat to have this book and say, okay, guys, we're going to have a dwarf theme party tonight. And I'm going to pull these recipes from the dwarf section. Of course, I'm going to say dwarf uh, of the book. And I'm going to make all these foods for you. And we're going to come over. We're going to be rowdy. We're going to be raucous. We're going to, if you can, sing some songs and, and drink some ale and just have a good time. But we're going to use the recipes that we find in this book. I think that could actually be a lot of fun. And it might be an interesting way to take some of your non-D&D playing friends have this party where they're just thinking, oh, I'm going to go over here and just have fun and 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 almost introduce them to the world of D&D. And I would I would even have a party like this, of course, once we're able to have parties again and have this book out so people could see it and actually see where like if they try, say, the main course and it's something really, really tasty. And they're like, well, where did you come up with this? Well, I got it from this book. What is this from? And then getting the opportunity to explain D&D and maybe have uh, uh, this moment like Karen Gilliland had on stream of like, you know, that sounds really neat. I, I like this idea. This could be fun. So I was kind of turned off by this at first, and it's actually making me think back to because there's a Game of Thrones cookbook. Maybe I should go get that one because that might be fun to check out, too. I think we've had these kind of things where it's like. Uh, you know, I know your wife likes to do the murder mystery parties for her birthday and, yep. and seeing the, the first time of kind of their reservations of people that that's not my thing or this is, and you get a cocktail in, you loosen up a little bit and pretty soon, you know, we're on what year three of it and people have yeah. costumes and voices and, you know, it's the same people that were like, yeah, I just probably won't ever do that. You know, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, are you having another one? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, the last one, we took a group picture at the end, and everybody was dressed up. Uh, I think you actually wore a wig, and for those of you who don't know, Nolan doesn't have any hair, so to see him in a wig, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> who is yeah, this we, person? And it's, and I think that's a, I, I think the, people are willing to let down their defenses a little bit and give some of the stuff a try. Uh, yep. You get people hooked for life, so... I, if you this do. is an avenue of getting people on board and out and about and checking it out, hell yeah. So I want to read this. This is a drink that is in this book. It's called the Mind Flare. Immediately, I'm like, ooh, what's that? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to read the whole thing, so just bear with me. So it says, the, mon the Mind Flare. Vodka stored at sub-zero temperatures is combined with fresh ginger and grape juice for a hazy purple hue. 
and finally crushed ice, then served so cold that if your first frosty gulp doesn't zap you with a mind-numbing brain freeze, then the alcohol blast that hits you right after just may. Variation of this popular chilled beverage, sometimes referred to as the Cone of Cold or Shondath Ice Wine, are a plenty across the Sword Coast. So the recipe reads, in a blender, combine the ginger, salt, and lime juice until the solids are very, very fine puree, and the mixture is uniformly syrupy, about one minute. Set a fine mesh strainer over, the t- over a measuring cup or bowl and strain the mixture, stirring and pressing on the solids to extract as much of the syrup as possible. You should have about a half a cup. Discard the solids and return the syrup to the blender. Add the grape juice concentrate, vodka, and ice and blend until the ice is finely crushed and the mixture is uniform and moves easily through the blender jar. The timing will depend on the, will depend on the power of your blender. Divide the mixture between two roomy highball or Collins glasses. Garnish with the grape if using and serve at once, with straws if desired. The recipe is three tablespoons of peeled and chopped fresh ginger, a quarter cup of sugar, half a cup of fresh lime juice, half a cup thawed grape juice concentrate, five ounces of vodka, cold, three cups small ice or yeah, three cups of small ice cubes or coarsely crushed ice, and several black or red seedless grapes for garnish. So that's one of the recipes you would get in this book. And I thought I, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And and whether you use it or not, you know, I, I think everybody eventually has kind of their eclectic mix of coffee book tables to people to pick up and be like, what the hell is that? Sure. Sounds like a good book for that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there is another example of recipes that you can get called Elven Bread. I didn't want to go into that. That's a massive, massive uh, recipe, but it is available on the product website that you can check out. Again, this book is going to be available October 27th. It does carry a price tag of $35. It comes in hardback or ebook format. So just keep in mind, this is there's nothing play. There's no game or anything like that. You're not going to find any stat sheets or any monsters. This is all recipes. It's just a cookbook. But it could be, like Nolan said, if you couple it with a party, it could be a lot of fun. It could be $35 well spent. We're uh, passing D&D gateway drugs. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> i'm perfectly okay with that so those are the (laughs) products that were initially announced from D&D. now i did want to talk about and i've searched and searched and i can't find it and it's pissing me off because WizKids made an announcement as well and they were of course WizKids does the icon of the realms uh D &D miniatures and WizKids does a great job with their miniatures especially their their unpainted miniatures the nolzer's unpainted miniatures which are a lot of fun to to well paint they announced that they're doing a gargantuan series for D&D. I looked yesterday trying to find them, and I couldn't find them. Nolan, were you able to find any of them at all? I wasn't. We looked at the pictures of them and them talking about it, but I never could actually find a product. We saw it on Twitch, and the 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 the, the uh, model that they showed was huge. Yeah, but it was we... a big old statue. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't find the actual model um, or or the announcement on the WizKids website. I know that they were featuring the Warlock tiles, uh, which this is, again, this is a new product. And it looks like these are tiles that just kind of clip together. If you're a fan of, like, Dwarven Forge, um, this is going to be very similar to those. They're just not going to be, I'd imagine, of the same high quality that Dwarven Forge is. So, but there is a... Um, Wow, there's a whole lot that you can pre-order. These are pretty cool, actually, looking at them. They're on the WizKids website. It's one of the first things you see as you pop on there. 
Uh, and you can see a lot of the just styles that they have available. They're, I mean, they're not cheap. You're looking at for a set of like, like for example, warlock tiles, stairs and ladders. You get the whole set, and it's like fifty dollars. And there's yes, you get a bunch, but you're still paying fifty dollars just for a little bit of scenery. Whereas the dungeon tiles set one for warlock tiles comes with a price tag of a hundred dollars. So you can build on this and make it massive. Uh, so something to keep in mind. It looks like you can even get clips to go into your Warlock tiles in case they break, I would imagine. So another product that came out from this was the Warlock tiles as well as the Gargantuan miniatures, which WizKids did do Gargantuan miniatures for Pathfinder. Isn't that correct, Nolan? Yeah, I was able to find some of those. And they're huge. Yeah. So I I would imagine they're going to do a great job with with these as well um i think they're even going to be unpainted because i know there was a couple people on twitter showing the ones that they had painted which i think unpainted gargantuan miniatures is as a miniature painter myself not a very good one but i think it's incredibly cool i don't know if i want to spend you know 80 9800 plus dollars on a gargantuan miniature but maybe for the right one yeah, I think it's, again, at that point, we were talking about, you know, I don't think I spend that on a miniature, but the size of those things, it's more like a piece of art. So I could I could deal with a big old dragon set. I mean, shoot, I look at World of Warcraft, you know, figurines that are like $400 sometimes, and they, well, I could price swing it. So Some of those miniatures are, or they're not even miniatures. Those are straight statues, and they're fucking right. badass. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I'm just saying... I, I, I think some of these painted right and done well and, you know, created, I think would be, you know, pretty, pretty cool to just have around or even just awesome gifts for that price point too. So. The, very, very true. Uh, WizKids does a whole bunch of different miniatures. Of course they have their, their ever popular hero clicks lineup, which if you haven't played here or you don't know what hero clicks is, I'm mean, I guess you've been living under a rock. Cause I think this game has been around for 25 years or so. No, probably 15 years. Um, they have, oh, what's this? Apparently there's an owl painting. Oh, okay. So are you familiar with the painting night events that, that, you, that you can find at local game stores, Nolan? I've heard of them, but since we don't have one. Well, I know um, Halen down at uh, uh, Puzzles, he's been trying to do these. Of course, it doesn't help that with everything going on. Typically with these, you can go down to your local game store and jump in and paint a miniature and, and i'm sure it, it, there's a cost that comes with it because you're going to buy the miniature and use the paints down there but you get a paint night event and this one it looks like they're currently doing an owl bear i just happened to see this so i thought i'd mention it nice um, yeah it's a pretty cool model um miniature painting is uh i don't know i i really enjoy miniature painting as long as i can enjoy the miniature and painting so well i don't no, did you? Am I missing a product, or was that everything? That's what I saw: dice, uh, cookbook, and new book. Yeah, so I think that was all the products that we were announced. So we know that Icewind Dale is our new storyline. Uh, we didn't hear about any other supplemental books coming out. It's not like the one they did with Waterdeep, where we knew that we had like five books coming out all at once. Right. So. So there you have it. Now, there were some other things that happened within 
the Dungeons and Dragons world, and and we don't want to talk a whole lot about this, but we feel like we should at least mention it, and that is the issues of diversity within the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Nolan and I have our own opinions, and and I just want to state for the record, so everybody's very clear, we do not agree with systemic racism. Yes, Black Lives Matter. And yes, we agree that everybody has a right to equal rights. Doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. In fact, we want everybody to feel comfortable when they sit down and play a game with us or with anybody else. No one am I misspeaking at all. Nope. So we encourage diversity in everything. D&D is taking some steps to encourage and fix issues that people have felt like they've had in their games uh we commend them for doing for taking these steps and i think we should just stop i can agree with that i again it's it's another of gosh yeah opinions are tough and that's a big thing because you can't ever convince somebody that their opinion is right or wrong. Um, right. So whether some people will be like, well, I don't know why they feel like they're doing anything. I didn't see it as an issue. Um, and that'll make some people mad. That'll make some people happy. Uh, other people will be like, they're not doing enough. Uh, they need to do more. And other people are, you know, again, same thing. You, opinions are tough. You can't you yep. can't win trying to fix opinions. And that's a tough thing. And, and again, you're entitled to it. You're allowed to feel the way you want to feel. Uh, that's it. But it also needs to be okay that maybe sometimes you don't see eye to eye on that stuff as well uh, of not understanding it because we, we all we're a couple of white boys from Wyoming. We have a hard time seeing some things uh, because we're not faced with it daily. And so our opinion on things is works for us doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't work for you and it doesn't mean that we're right or wrong we just we don't know and so some of the stuff is is maybe maybe they're doing enough maybe they're trying maybe they're not in our mind i think making an effort is at least the first steps and uh hopefully people can continue to work to make everything a better place in game out of game uh I think that's the goal. And as long as we make sure that the goal at the end of the day is that we're all trying to get better together going forward and keep that as the goal, we'll get there. I agree. And, you know, and here's, I want to just jump on to what Nolan is saying, because again, him and I've talked quite a bit about this and you have to understand that, especially to being two white guys living in Wyoming, where the predominant color is white. Yes. There's tons and tons of native Americans, but, you don't see those as much in the cities because the predominant color in the cities is white. Racism is wrong. Why the fuck you would ever bring it to your RPG table is beyond me. Why would you want that kind of hate in your game? Keep it the fuck out. And it just bugs me that that we feel like it, it, it's become such an issue that, it, and it has, that that it's 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 in everything. Just stop. Stop being a racist prick. Keep it out of your game. And yeah, we before use it, I go too far, as I say, we we use it for an escape. And it was just one of those things of I guess I didn't see the way some people were feeling about some of the things when it comes to D and D because it it hasn't in in our it, games it hasn't been an issue. Yeah, it, it just never came up. And so reading that that was, that was a, an issue and a concern really caught me off guard and kind of, I want to say open minds, but maybe started looking a little bit deeper at some things. So right. again, that's the biggest thing about it is, you know, 
we're not <laughs> we just don't know uh it doesn't mean right. that we don't want to know we just we haven't had that issue we've been pretty fortunate it's you know and same thing we we hear horror stories of females sitting down to games and, and never wanting to come back and having the game turned off because of the the over sexualization of situations and that kind of stuff so uh, same thing <laughs> we don't bring it Go to ahead. our game because yeah use as an escape have fun and yeah i think that's probably <laughs> a good way to uh kind of wrap up that <laughs> we all have opinions on them and and we're all willing to understand and listen and if we're wrong right indifferent we also understand that we're not going to make everybody happy so we're doing the best that we can with what we got our tables have fun we try and keep them that way and we hope you do the same you know, and, and again, going back to we want everybody who ever sits down and plays with our plays with us or or listens to our podcast to understand that we want you here. I don't care what color you are. We don't care what sexual preference you are. We want you here. We want you here to have fun. We want you here to enjoy yourself. And like Nolan said, we use this as an escape. We want everybody to have this avenue of an escape because it is so much fun. And we welcome you to join us in our community and at our tables. I want to talk real quick about the other thing that Wizards of the Coast did this week, and that is on the magic side of things, because, well, I'm a magic judge, and this stuff does does uh, interest me. And that was there was basically a massive purging of, of many cards that are considered to be racist. And I've had to do a lot of thinking about some of the cards, because at first, it didn't hit me at first. First one, it was Invoke Prejudice. Absolutely 100% agree. You cannot tell me that the artwork on that card doesn't look like the KKK. If you do tell me that, I'm going to look at you like you're a moron. Because <laughs> the whole thing about... I, in fact, when I first saw that card you know, several years ago, I, I, I looked at my friends and said, well, how the fuck did that get printed? Because right. it looks like the KKK. It needed to be banned a long time ago. So good job. The one that got me at first, and it took me a little bit to figure it out, was Cleanse. Um, cleanse is a white card uh, that says destroy all black creatures. At first, I was like, what? Why? How, how come? And then it dawned on me. It's a white card called Cleanse, and you're cleansing the blacks. And that's, that's all there is to it. And it, yep, that should be changed. So... And in this case, it was just banned. So it does look like, you know, Wizards is trying to look at some of the stuff. And and I do, you know, we need to remember that sometimes these games that were created many, many years ago were appropriate for the time. That doesn't mean they're appropriate now. And there does sometimes need to be those changes. And it's good to see companies that are willing to make those changes. Okay, that's as heavy as I want to go, because that was pretty heavy. And we don't usually get heavy like that. So... <laughs> Back to D&D Live. I do believe we have covered everything with D&D Live. Can you think of anything else that we need to talk about of that event? I don't think so. No, I don't either. Some cool products, some cool games were played. I wish I could have caught them all. I would have loved to caught the WWE one. I know you always enjoy that one, especially when it's like Jocks Machina. So yeah, I'm excited to go back and see that. Uh, it'll be nice. I got tomorrow off, so I'm going to have that as my background noise. That's right. You're off tomorrow. I hate you. <laughs> I will be at work. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else. Uh, looking on the horizon, um, Nolan and I are always looking for new things to talk about. So if you feel like there is something that we should be talking about uh, that is game related, please drop us a line. Uh, let us know what you would like us to talk about, because we're always happy to do so. And, and as long as it's you know appropriate. Uh, 
there's some cool stuff out there that we just don't know about, so please tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Other than that, Nolan, if people would like to get a hold of you, how can they do it? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Lemire's, but probably the easiest way is just to go through Patrick uh, at the Fortchild. Or if you have an RPG, we got it fixed, right? Yeah, I did. I was just about to say, and, I, and of course, I'm Patrick. You can find me at all social media outlets at 307RBG because I was able to get that. Well, I had to close one and create a new one. So that's fine because that is done now and you can find me there. So yeah, if you have any questions or comments or if you'd like to discuss anything that we've discussed tonight with me, you can find me at 307RPG. We're always glad to discuss things with you. Sometimes we know our opinion isn't always shared by everybody else. We're happy to explain to you why or listen to your opinion and tell you why we're right. Just kidding. Nolan, if you don't have anything else, I guess we can sign off for the day. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, again, uh, enjoy your games. They're they're supposed to be fun, and uh, that's what we do. And hope you're doing it as well. Enjoy your games. Welcome everybody to your table. Because the more people you have at your table, the more diversity you have at your table, the more fun and diverse game you're going to have. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time. Bye.